Blog Talk Radio. Om Shabbat Shalom, Holy Way of the Most High. Om Shabbat Shalom, I sense your presence. Om Shabbat Shalom, Holy Way of the Most High. Om Shabbat Shalom, I sense your presence. And I am the light within your soul In the essence of truth and right Love makes the circle whole And here we stand in line Waiting for some sacred sign But to find the balance is the purpose of this time to restore the balance of the universal mind And in the presence of my Lord of light and love Everything I see aspiring to be free And when I call to thee And come on bending knee Surrender to the all-pervading light and love Reflections of the one surrounding me with love And I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence Within and without, above and below, yeah. East, west, north, and south, I sense your presence. Without and within, below and above, yeah. yeah. East, west, north, and south, I sense your presence. I sense your presence. Of 
Able to find the balance is the purpose of this time To restore the balance of the universal mind And I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence
Oh my gosh, it's been so many wonderful artists <laughs> this year. I'm trying to trying to think of everybody. Also coming up uh, later this year, I'm going to have Joseph Carringer on. He plays the didgeridoo. So um, I've had Angelia Grace on. She was on earlier this year. Beautiful, incredible voice there. Um, so, yeah, lots of great things we have happening on this show, actually. It, what I do in my own work is I interpret a person's life codes, and this allows them to live a life filled with compassion. And I've also created the Genesis Clearing Statement, which is something you can catch where other people have interviewed me. Um, some of my earlier interviews have that that you can follow up on. I've also authored four books, and the most recent are You, Me, Life, Dreams, and its companion workbook. Then my first two books, Activating Compassion and its companion workbook. I've also created what is now called the True North Tour, and I did a little piece of that for a couple of weeks just recently. Um, about a month ago, I was traveling around the East Coast through the Washington, D.C. area and through uh, Pottstown, Pennsylvania, near Philadelphia, and also just outside of Boston and Westford, Massachusetts. And, and I'm excited to see what I can put together. I'm doing a lot of regrouping and restructuring right now, and um, it's really an interesting time because I'm not a person to stay put. <laughs> I would much rather be out on the road traveling around. And um, So anyways, you can stay up on all of those things. You can follow up with what I'm doing, what's going on. I do have events here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, which is where I'm currently based. And uh, you can check those out. I'll be having an event coming up at the end of December, right around what we call Yule or the winter solstice time. Uh, I'll have an event going on and then another one early in February. So um, definitely those are options as well to, to take a look at. And then the, the tour activities that just I do events and workshops. When I was on the last tour, I did a sound healing event uh, with Jim and Ashley Cash and Woven Green and Daniel Greenberg of that group. And uh, that was absolutely wonderful. I've got seminars, book signings going on, all kinds of fun stuff that goes, goes on with touring. And I also want to remind you, if you enjoy the show today, which I know you're going to because I've got some really interesting pieces of information to bring to you. I mean, think about uh, the terms as to hear Jesse James, gold, <laughs> trains. Um, it's it's going to be an interesting show. So you're probably going to want to share it with other people. And just, you know, it's fun because you never know what piece of information is going to reach out to somebody and connect with them. And they're going to go, oh, my gosh, that just really got my mind taking about a lot of things for myself. And it really opened a lot of doors for me. And I've had people say, you know, you literally changed my life. I was ready to give up. And you shared the show. And, you know, all of a sudden it turned me around. And I chose not to give up on life. And it's powerful. It sounds like a really simple thing. It takes, what, two, three seconds to do. And it's a, it could be a powerful move for somebody. And what they'll do is they can listen to the archives at the very same link using the same link that you used to come into the live show today. Um, it is also available as a podcast at iTunes and TuneIn.com uh, through our Main Street Universe channel, and then also through my YouTube channel. So um, they can they can access all the, not only Code Connection shows, but the Activating Compassion shows as well that I used to do in the name simply shifted over. So we're going a little more in-depth with Code Connection, which is a huge amount of fun, to say the least. Now, for... Uh, 
those that uh, have listened before, you know that one of the great things that I love to delve into is the 72 Names of God technology by for the Soul, and it's by Yehuda Berg, who's a wonderful Kabbalah master who takes the big, giant concepts out there and he brings them into everyday language. And, and um, um, I like to share one of his thoughts. And I just kind of go through the book, so I, I don't go through and really look ahead of time and try to find that one that matches up but they always seem to match up. <laughs> and uh, and this is a lot of fun because uh, for those that don't know me really well, today is my birthday. It's Friday the 13th here, and I was actually born on Friday the 13th. And so part of what I was doing this morning was I was out in another area outside of Sioux Falls, and I was exploring some of my own personal main connection and energy and um exploring some, some things of where my name came from, which is Jesse James. And I'm going to get into more of that later <laughs> in there. But I wanted to kind of give that little tidbit in there because um, I want to share with you the information that uh, I kind of unfolded this morning with the codes and the codes of Jesse James. And we are going to bring that in, and it will work with crystals and gemstones and things as well, and we're going to be doing that as well. So it's all going to tie together in a really interesting way. But um, it was really fun to open the page on Yehuda Berg's work today because um, the common name of God that we have today is Great Escape. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I couldn't have picked a more perfect one after delving into Jesse James' information all, the, all morning long. So um, this is really fun. The common name is Great Escape. And... Um, the, the little preliminary message he has is, we're in prison and we don't even know it. And the insight he goes on to give is, prison, you ask? Unquestionably. We're hostages to the constant pressure to outdo friends and colleagues. We're in bondage to our reactive whims and self-absorbed desires. We're captive to our jobs and financial pressures. We're prisoners to other people's perceptions of us. We're incarcerated by our need for other people's acceptance. Want to break out? The ego is the foundation of all forms of misery. It compels us to convince others that we're right, even when we're wrong, and even when we know we're wrong. Ego gives us the illusion that we act freely, but not in reality, or but in reality, I should say, we are captive to its desires. When a person denies that he or she has an ego, well, that's just the ego hard at work, doing its job, patrolling the prison ground, so to say. And if an individual cannot recognize his or her own ego in a situation, the ego simply blinded the person by placing the individual into solitary confinement. Ego is a ball and chain that anchors us to the physical dimension and blocks our connection to spiritual growth. Yet it is only in the spiritual realm that true joy and fulfillment can be found. And the meditation that he gives on this is, this name brings the greatest of all freedoms, escape from ego-based desires, selfish inclinations, and the me-first mentality. In their place, you gain life's true and lasting gifts, family, friendship, and fulfillment. And again, this common name is called Great Escape. 
and the formal name of God that we're dealing with today is Lamed Aleph Vav. Okay, that's Lamed Aleph Vav. And that is going to be posted on my page of the Main Street Universe tab on my website. So you can go back and look at it during the week and check it out and reflect on it. Um, and, and it is just so very interesting how that ties in with everything else today. Um, and again, my website is Jesse and Nichols George, the number one dot com uh, in there. Now, as I mentioned, this show is about crystals and gemstones and the codes of crystals and gemstones. But I also have another little piece that I'm unexpectedly throwing in that I didn't know until this morning I was going to bring it in. <laughs> but it's so absolutely perfect. So we're going to be talking about Jesse James and also about um, crystals and gemstones. And they actually go together. So you're going to be finding out more about that. But a little thought to get us going here before we take a break and delve into today's topic and insight. Do you have certain crystals or gemstones that you are constantly drawn to? Or are the favorite ones that you like to work with? And what experiences have you had working with crystals and other gemstones? Have you worked with crystals and gemstones? For as long as I can remember, I've been drawn to crystals and gemstones. I remember going on family trips, and I often wanted to bring home a rock or pick out a crystal in the gift store or other pretty rock that might catch my eye. And working with crystals and gemstones were one of my very first tools that I began using. I remember even at the age of four, I felt a need to be connected with them and could spend hours upon hours gazing into them. And all honesty, I don't think that's changed a whole lot. (laughs) Probably not, because I can still spend hours and hours gazing at them. At one point in my life, I was even a sales rep for crystals and gemstones. And my boss at the time was always mesmerized how I would pick out the ones to take with me and how I could pick out gem quality stones with my naked eyes, which, of course, he always had to verify with his jeweler's boots. Even early in studies and times of meditation, I would hold crystals or surround myself with them when sleeping or meditating. I literally could gaze into them for hours and drift away into the portals that were open inside of them. And there seemed to be an endless amount of information that they shared with me. And it was sometimes about cultures, sometimes scenes played out like a movie, sometimes it was a person, a place, or any other numerous things. And I felt I could explore endless worlds through them and found each one to be so unique and special like a little piece of the divine, which, of course, I understand how they are fully that. And it seems like in my journey, so many of my connections with divine have involved crystals. Sometimes this was connecting with someone in a way that divine presence flowed through the time we shared. And sometimes it was a gift given to me by someone very special in my life. And sometimes it was the most amazing journeys in the universe meditation, visualization, or astral travel. Now, no matter what is happening in my life, it seems like crystals have always been there for me, calming me, energizing me, enlightening me. However, they have always reminded me of divine connection with their simple presence. One of the things I loved about Zion National Park when living near there 
with an amazing gemstone so abundant in the region. And I remember a time when I lost everything I owned down to the clothes on my back due to black mold. And the only thing that was not infected with it was my crystals. I've had all kinds, shapes, and forms. Like all things in the universe, they carry their own vibration. And that vibrational energy then interacts with our own energy in a way that can provide all kinds of responses. Our heart may soften and open. We may find personal strength. We may receive a healing. Our intuitive mind may open and so much more. Imagine every metal, mineral, crystal, and stone having its own piece of the divine within it and then openly sharing with us. Now, how the codes of these stones interact with us personally can then show if we will receive healing, awakening, challenges, or any number of aspects in our life. And they will show the way that they can assist and facilitate our own personal growth. Becoming aware of those that help you connect with the divine is truly a gift. As for me, I always like to keep ones around me that I can touch easily or hold quickly. It is like having a friend that reminds you of your true self right in hand. And what types of crystals and gemstones do you draw to? Do you have favorite ones that you like to work with or ones that you use for specific things? What effects have you received when working with crystals? An interesting topic to think about today. And again, I'm really excited to bring this to you. I'm really excited to jump in here with this. But I also want to share with you the code for this week. And our code, when I talk about the code for the week, and I'm not sure if I ever explained that. I kind of jumped into offering that. (laughs) And it's my insight for the energy flow. For our week, and it starts with the day that we run the show, and and so every date, just like every stone, every piece of food, everything in the universe has a code to it, and so that's where these codes for the week come from. They come from the dates and the times and the time period that we're in, and it helps us understand where the energy is at. Uh, so we can work with And, of course, once people, when they do do code work with me uh, and we actually start to look at different things for them, we know whether something is favorably coded in the way of days and dates and things like that. Um, so it's very interesting. Some people can take this code and they will come out excelling and other people will take this code and it will be very, very challenging for them, all depending on how they interact with this particular energy. So the code for this week is all about movement, how you move in the world, your interactions with others, your resources, changes in locations, and the actions that you choose to take. And with this energy, we have to realize that while success may come our way, we must be careful of the danger we put ourselves in. Caution and prudence become key words. And it is one thing to immerse yourself into each situation that you go in and out of. And at the same time, it may be best to take more of the role of the observer and don't get too involved. Over-involvement can bring unwanted attention or even an aspect of danger. I like to relate this energy to that of the mole 
and the mole being M-O-L-E, or double agent. And this usually is someone that likes to know everything that's happening, but they risk getting caught as they move from one group to another. They are often unattached to any one thing, place, or person, and have loyalty only to themselves. While this may be favorable on one level, not everyone favors this. And fear by others can lead to worries and anxieties that lead them to take actions to protect themselves. The key in this energy is to stay focused, creating, and developing your own resources. And be careful to not take action that may be threatening to others in the process of doing that. And it is so interesting to have this code today with everything else <laughs> that we're going to talk about and explore. But in the meantime, first, I'm going to take a little break. And when we return, I'll be talking about the codes of crystals and gemstones and a little bit about Jesse James. <laughs> and you're going to see how that all comes together for me real soon here. The song I've got for you during our break is called Euphorian by Claire Hedin. And if you want to check out more of Claire's work and, and the music that she does, you can do that through her website because she does a lot of earth-based work working in nature as well as her music work. And her website is www.clairehedin.com. That's C-L-A-R-E-H-E-D-I-N.com. And uh, just a moment here, I'm going to get that song up. <laughs> a little bit different, right, when I'm running everything here. I often tend to have have a chance to drop it all in place. This is Euphoria, and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Maybe, if the player wants to play. (laughs) It may not want to play today. I don't know. It's very interesting. There we go.
Welcome back. You are listening to Code Connection. My name is Jesse Ann Nichols-George, and I'm your hostess today. And you were just listening to a song by Claire Hedin, who actually was one of probably the first <laughs> musical guest I ever had on the show um, back in 2012, <laughs> I want to say, at the very end of the year. And uh, anyways, you were just listening to a song by her which is called Euphorian, and you can check out more of her work at www.clairehedin.com, and that's C-L-A-R-E-H-E-D-I-N.com. And uh, so today is a really exciting day. Um, this is my birthday, and yes, I chose to still do a show on my birthday. That's the only amount of time I'm spending online today, so I have to <laughs> pass that out. It just tells me you know, how special you guys are for being here, and I just really appreciate all of the support that I have been getting for the many years that I've been doing this show and from all of my listeners, and it's it's so appreciated. And so anyways, I wanted to share a little bit about me, and um, not necessarily in that ego way <laughs> that, that um, Yehuda Berg was talking about, but definitely in a way that, that gives you some interesting insights because those that know me know that what I'm doing now is code interpretation and that I refer to myself as a code interpreter, which the codes are really about people's personal blueprints, the personal life plan. It's like, it's like your handbook of how you function on this earth. And it is um, information that allows you to get a better understanding of how you interact with everything in the world. And we all have this. Everything on the face of this earth, every word and song and song title and everything. It doesn't matter what it is. Plant, animal, mineral, (laughs) everything in the universe has codes. And when I look at these codes and how they piece together, you know, it's kind of like a puzzle. We have that big picture, but oftentimes we're only aware of our own piece or, or some of the pieces around us. And we go around and we have the sense that we're supposed to fit with more than just ourselves. Um, we're not supposed to be another piece. You know, the centerpiece can't become the corner piece necessarily, but, and, and it doesn't necessarily fit with the corner piece, but it's out there and it's looking for the pieces that it does fit with. And, and, you know, as we connect our pieces and, and, and we find what is coded to us, just like the puzzle piece finds what pieces are adjacent to it, it grows a bigger and bigger picture, and it allows us to unify. Don't um, focus on our individual piece. And so this is really fun, interesting work for me. And so anyways, in the sense and the spirit of it being my birthday, uh, the reason I wanted to address crystals and gemstones was because uh, outside of probably dreams and premonitions, they were the very first thing that I picked up as a tool. Um, I always, always, all my life, as far as I can remember back, like I said, in, in the little preliminary piece, even at the age three, four years old, I wanted rocks, I wanted stones, I, that's what I was drawn to, and, and I sensed the energy, and, and in my journeys and in my development, 
and growing in my consciousness and my learning phases, um, crystals are something that I used a lot of times in healing work. Uh, they were a lot of times something that I used to travel between planes and um, different lifetimes, and I use them as portals when I could do what's called scrying into them, which is is being able to gaze into something and get visions and information that way. Um, so I've always been very, very in tune with them for as long as I can remember. Um, now, the interesting thing here today was, to me, birthdays are really important. And birthdays are a lot about honoring yourself and who you are and your incarnation as you came into this world and your sense of purpose and your own identity. Um, It's your time that sets up a brand new personal year. And in that brand new personal year, the things that we do on that day are very critical because they set a pattern for what happens for the whole next year. And actually, uh, this, this pattern then can continue on, much like we have planets that have different phases that they go through, and they have a pre and a post period to that phase. So is the case with each and every year of our life. And so this runs from birthday to birthday. So this year, being that I have all this code, insights, and information to work from, I said to myself, you know, I really want to delve more into me. I really want to just, I want to wake up someplace that I'm well-coded to, facing a direction that I'm well-coded to, (laughs) and all of these pieces, which I did. Of course, I had to drive a ways to, to find that place. And what was interesting that I didn't realize um, until I was looking at something late on Wednesday night um, was the place that I came to Pip to go to happened to be um, the place of the first train robbery by Jesse James. And what's an interesting connection, I picked that place not knowing that (laughs) at the time. But, of course, you know, nothing is a coincidence in this universe and this world. And what's interesting is that my name, Jesse, came from Jesse James. So I thought, wow, this is going to be a really fun thing to go explore in a sense. This is going to be an important piece for me to go take a look at for some reason um, on this day, on my birthday, because this is really connecting me with me. And and how it connects with me, how I was named after Jesse James was my name Jesse comes from my grandfather. And my grandfather was um, one of two twins. And uh, his twin, um, he was named Jesse. My grandfather was named Jesse and his twin brother was named James. And they were named after Jesse James who in their day and time was really more of a hero, and I'm going to get into more of that. And so uh, what was interesting about that was his twin uh, passed away when he was a child. So uh, that was my grandfather, Jesse. And um, 
So I, I have no question they probably drew on the energy <laughs> of Jesse James in a lot of ways. And as I unpiece some tidbits of information, it's very interesting how um, a major part of Jesse James' life, his father passed away when Jesse James was four years old. So you can see there's a, there's always connections in things. There's always and, – and four years old, if anybody's wondering why is that such – an important age in life because four is a year of foundation. It's the year when we start completing ourselves. It's also a, a year when we become really fairly fully into this earthly existence. Prior to the age of four, we still have a lot of connection um, to the other world, so to say, other planes, divine connection. Um, so, so that's why four is such a critical age, and our turning point and what we're taking in at that time becomes so very, very important because we're sealing up the foundations of our life at that point. So, to have a major loss at that point, uh, especially something that you consider to be a part of yourself, is is a big thing to go through. It's a very, very highly powerful thing, experience to go through and very um, influential in what happens for us. So it was fun to start to delve into this whole aspect because uh, as we know in the times of Jesse James and his train robbery days, as they would say, um, it's interesting what media and um, the common knowledge of him was, for the most part. And as I started to look into his codes more and more, I thought this is really kind of fascinating to see what he has that unfolds and the timing of different things from the first train robbery to the incidences of his death and what comes through. And there were some very, very interesting periods to, to bring that forward. And so what's interesting about today running on the energy of the mole is actually the energy of the mole is one of the ways that Jesse James worked. That was part of how his coding came out. But a little bit of tidbit about him and his history is he didn't just wake up and come into this world with killer energy. There is no killer energy in his name vibration. So I want to state that right up front, which means it took a lot to push him over the edge. There also is not greed in his coding, and that probably surprises a lot of people because um, he robbed trains, he took money, robbed the bank, things like that. And so it's kind of a fascinating connection here for me you know, this is this is my energy. <laughs> and it's important for us to know our energy because the more we learn these little pieces along the way, the more we understand how we too function in the world. And so to start to unfold this about where my some of my identity came from was, was quite interesting. And, of course, as we know, the trains uh, that passed through, uh, oftentimes the cargo that they were carrying would be, for example, coal or they would even function on coal energy. And, of course, we know that coal connects with diamonds, but they also carried a lot of gold, 
and a lot of silver was key forms of transportation. And those were, were key aspects of something that was here in the region that Jesse James was born into, that he operated in, and that he functioned in. So, you know, that, that starts to get very interesting. Now, you know, we made him out as this huge, you know, outlaw and, you know, bandit and all these things, and I'm going to explore those as well in just a minute. But what a lot of people aren't aware of is that as we look at Jesse James, and this is going to wrap back around, but encoded in Jesse James' name is same as Messiah has messages as Jesus. He messes and uh, unfolds the masses. And when I say messes and unfolds the masses, it's actually he unfolds his messing with the masses. And he also has magi energy and uses games as messages. So really, really an interesting piece. And why is this interesting as we see it? Because throughout his life, we have Jesus, who was betrayed by Judas at the very end, um, turned in for money. And the same thing happened with Jesse James. He was betrayed by one of his own inner circle, Bob Ford. Bob Ford was his Judas, finally broke and caved in to the price that was on Jesse James' head. So that's a very fascinating piece. Uh, And, you know, I just received a message of maybe everything written on him was a lie. And this is why codes are so incredible, because when we look at the codes, we get to the truth of things. Now, another piece of information that I actually was able to unearth in this process was that Jesse James was actually born into a father who was a minister. And his father was unwilling to play the standard power trip control game uh, of things. And his father was actually killed by unionists. So those that were trying to develop unions, those that were trying to develop the groups that controlled, this was at the same time that a lot of the Mason groups were coming out were the ones that killed his father. And they killed him when Jesse James was four years old. So you're starting to see how this unfolds here. And in that process, so his father was standing and holding to principle, did not want to sell out, did not want to give way to these groups. So they took him out. And Jesse James, from that tender age of four where he was able to absorb things in their true form for what they really were, saw this happening. And he saw the lies and the deceit of these power groups. He saw what they were willing to do. And he saw the truth behind what the railroads were all about which was really about materialism. It was really about, um, you know, a whole other realm in there. 
And what's interesting is the railroads, of course, were disguised as, oh, look at how much this is going to help us move things and look at, you know, the advancement. It was under railroads um, and, and railroads is really about let us see how we can help you advance. Let us advance you so that we keep control. You need us, okay, um, in there. So there, there's these different pieces, but it also can do with advancement and, and other things. Of course, there, there can be those pieces in there as well. And so you can imagine him seeing this and him discovering this truth. From that age of his father's death, he swore that he was going to do everything he could to take down those laws, no matter what it took. Now, as we know, that led to him killing people, that led to robbing things, uh, that led to a variety of, of different actions along the way. He and his brother actually made an attack on a Unionist camp and killed 25 people. And this is where that message of the ego that we were talking about earlier in the show comes on and um, comes into play because we do see with Jesse James a lot of what happened with him was related to that ego taking over, wanting the revenge, and that, that's what happens. And, and with codes, of course, there's always pros and cons to both sides, right? There's always going to be those dimensions within each piece of coding, um, and, and we have those choices. You know, he could have easily done other ways to expose, but he was, um, you know, he was uh, a truth exposure sort of person in there. Um, so I wanted to give that little bit of <laughs> background in there. And, um, you know, really, why did they make him out to be such a bad guy? Because, you know, they used terms, for example, like bandit. They used terms like outlaw with him. Now, what's very interesting is that bandit, if we look at the term bandit, it actually um, codes into an energy that is about peace and love, and that's exactly what he was fighting for. Now, we know that the way to peace and love isn't through war, but that's what he he was seeking because he saw the illusion. He uh, he was wanting to expose them, and he wanted people to realize what they were really up to. So his main focus really was about peace or love, and it was also about wisdom. So we were programmed that bandit was this negative term and this negative uh, thing that we should be afraid of out there. But who was he really stealing from, so to say? He was really taking away the power of those in control. He rocked the boat. He was superior to the trials and difficulties he had to endure. He lived off of the land. He didn't care. He gave up comforts of home to make this happen. Uh, he, you know, this is encoded with operating under the wisdom of the Magi for peace and love and harmony. That's what Bandit really is coded to. And it also has the energy of immortality, meaning that the name will live on. So as soon as they branded him as a bandit, he was going to become a person whose name would live on. 
very, very interesting uh, to look at. Now, when we also um, look at coded, and I was, I, I, excuse me, because I'm kind of jumping through my notes here <laughs> that I made. You know, he was really this kind of modern-day Robin Hood, and every now and then you'll even find that reference to him. He was trying to upset the rich and the power structures and, you know, and, and put it someplace else. He was trying to remove that control. And the, the reason they came after him so strong was because he scared them. He absolutely scared them. Now, he was made an outlaw as a result of their fear. And when we look at what an outlaw codes to, an outlaw codes to authority, command, power, um, being revered for their intellect and their intelligence and their creativity and the ability to bring about harvest and carry out their own plans. This means that he was able and had all the power and all the energy as an outlaw to carry out his own plans. And he did that. He didn't get too close to a lot of people. He really didn't. He, he didn't get too close. He was meant to be a leader, and he did that. He led a group, and he led that group of bandits, <laughs> so to say. And when we look at the grouping of bandits, plural, what we find is a call to action from judgment, a duty, a purpose, and it has nothing to do with worldly success. But it also can create hindrances to plans in there. Um, so this is some this is some really fun information, and um, and yes, I'm getting a comment here. Anybody who won't play with the system is a criminal, and we see that over and over again. Anybody who doesn't play with the the, the system, all of a sudden, all of their dirty laundry gets aired everywhere. And so it's interesting because as I was unfolding some of this information, I'm going. Oh, my gosh, I'm walking the same pattern, only without the ego, <laughs> in a sense, you know. Not that we're ever totally free of ego as a human being, but I'm approaching it through lessons learned, if you want to say. And I, I know that a lot of this was to help me understand, because of the patterns I'm currently in with my birthday and what is starting in the year's pattern for me is about functioning from lessons learned. And so this is very, very interesting to have this come up. Now, actually, when we look at Jesse James' coding, he has the immortality embedded in his coding. Um, and that is something that I share with him through the name of Jesse. Uh, when we look at the name James, that is the mole energy. So that shows that he operates like that. And that's what he would do. He would go into town. He would play as if he didn't know a whole lot about anything. He would play very innocent. He would ask about, oh, what's this thing about the railroad that I hear? What's this thing about that? So he would be able to work and blend in. Um, that is, up until he started pulling off <laughs> train robberies <laughs> in there. So, And, of course, again, as we know, with the, the energy of that mole or that informant or weaving in and out in that way, we know that there's risk and danger involved. It's just like being a double agent. There, there's risk of danger involved in there, and you have to operate very cautiously. Well, what's interesting, <coughs> excuse me, as this energy coding hangs together, it talks about uh, having mental superiority is what it represents, 
um, putting aside all material things by choice, being able to be all powerful, um, but probably unfortunate materially, um, being lonely and isolated. So he did. He chose to put all the material things aside. That was his choice. He did it consciously. And he um, he then brought in being, you know, coming to this very powerful space. He was smarter than the rest of them. He was smarter than the people trying to control uh, people, and, and that's where he got himself into some trouble. Um, of course, he had to isolate off. He, he didn't have a lot of places after a while that he could be out in the public eye. And, you know, as we look at his energy as an outlaw, that was reinforced. The more he became an outlaw, the more that own personal energy um, was brought together in there. Now, uh, what's very interesting is, is the first robbery actually happened on July 21st, which is three days before I changed my name. <laughs> and not the same year, obviously, but <laughs> three days before. So I find yet another connection here um, in this whole name coding aspect that, that I, I came through. And uh, when he pulled, pulled off the first thing, and we know anytime we do the first of something, uh, it is going to, again, set the precedence or the pattern of things. And the energy coding that he set into motion by doing that was to expose deception. It was all about exposing deception. But he also was bringing in energy of treachery, trials and tribulation, unexpected dangers. Um, he was also owning into the piece of being the uncertainty. Instead of having to live among and within uncertainty, which he did as well, he was also being the uncertain piece for the controlling and power sources. Um, it also brought in an energy of being surrounded by people who were unreliable or who would bring in grief and deception. You oftentimes don't hear about him having a relationship. And this energy set into precedence that as long as he was doing this, he would not have a relationship because he would only pretty much experience grief and deception from love in his life. So he was a man on a mission. When we look at setting aside the material by choice, that's a mission. And that's what his work was really about, was being, you know, in a mission. Um, maybe not, again, the most appropriate way <laughs> to do things, but that's really what his work was about. Uh, what's interesting as we went through things, um, as I went through, you know, these various pieces, in there, and we look at what was it about trains? You know, why why trains versus something else? Um, you know, why the railroad? Well, because the unionists, again, were tied to the railroad, for one thing, and the unionist is who killed his father. And the unionists were behind all this, capital, you know, all this materialism and control and how they were going to control everybody by being able to move these resources. They, their thought was now we can control everything as opposed to just this one little piece of things in there. So that, that brings in an, an interesting piece. And what's interesting is as we look at that in relation to Jesse James coding, um, 
we actually we actually find that the railroad by by going to the railroad coding that that was the perfect avenue because it brought in the energy of revolution, upheaval, strife, um, so prevention uh, and an unfavorable future. So when he was attacking the railroads, when he was attacking trains, and his connection with attacking a train was, again, about being the mole, about being discreet in how he was, he was trying to be discreet in how he was exposing these people. So his whole plan was, I'll sabotage what they're doing to expose how they're trying to control everybody in here. Um, and here again, when we look at trains plural, it was about the bigger mission of them coming in and taking control of his life at such a young age and taking control of his family's life at such a young age. So it's no wonder that the, the railroad and the trains became a huge focus for him and a huge connection for him. And I, w- I want to mention, too, because being in the Midwest, I deal a lot with uh, listening to train whistles. And, and I've always had a connection to train whistles. Well, you know, what's very interesting about that is the train whistle um, is coded to um, upheaval and destruction. And it is about taking dominion. So every time that that train whistle blows in there is really a sign of how we're taking control of this land. Or I should say how the unionists <laughs> were taking control of the land. So that whistle was actually not just, hey, we're approaching a train station. It was about we're taking over this land in there. Really fascinating. <laughs> really fascinating piece there in that. So as we move forward, of course, in this time and and we bring this coding together, we once again see that there were two things coded to, to, to a train or trains for Jesse James, and that was the piece of responsibility and to send a grave warning, that this was a grave warning. This was these partnerships were were bad and they were negative and what was being developed was was negative and that these speculations were not good for us and that we needed to carefully consider this. And he also um, brought in, again, that energy that was related to, um, to the treachery, you know. So, again, it was about the exposure of the treachery, the deception, um, unexpected danger, and the, the coding for train and train for trains plural is that it's deception. It looks like it's moving product from one place in the country to another place in the country. That's its disguise, but in reality, it's about controlling the land because when they control the railroad, they control all the land that railroad holds. And Jesse James knew that. So it, it, he really wasn't. So this is it's a fascinating piece of my history <laughs> to delve into when I look at this because, of, again, the, the time that my grandfather was named after him, Jesse James was 
considered a hero. And, you know, my grandfather also saw that energy as far as being, you know, the the hero and what the hero energy um, was all about in there. Now, um, and again, isolation is not always being just shoved off on your own out in the hills someplace. It's, It's about not partnering with other people or not being influenced by other people. Um, so that, that's another big piece in that, uh, in there. And when we look at banks, banks interestingly were another piece because a lot of them were helping to be tied in with the railroads and the funding of the railroads. And again, they were another piece of the upheaval, the destruction, power misuse, getting dominion. And so that is another reason why he went after the bank is, well, one, he needed a little bit of money to survive on so he could go in and out as mole places, but then also he, uh, the banks were also about that dominion and that upheaval of people's life. And he was not willing to just, you know, turn that over to, to whoever. Now, what's interesting is uh, he has this immortal energy, and when we look at it, he was actually shot earlier in life, and he healed himself. He didn't go to doctors. He didn't go in and get all kinds of medical treatment. He nursed his own health back to place. And when, um, you know, so just being shot for him was not a problem because the energy of being shot for him actually opened up very favorable energy for him and gave him more command and power and more made him be more creative. Now, in the end, he was shot and killed. And what was interesting for me to, to take a look at is the aspect of being killed actually brought him back around to, again, this power energy and, um, and bringing that forth. And, and when we look at that combined together, it it again showed the kind of immortality energy of the fact that his name was going to live on in in things. So, uh, so many fascinating, <laughs> so many fascinating pieces in all of this as we look at it. Now, what's interesting is the person who actually ends up turning him in for the money, who just finally said, okay, I can't resist the money anymore, and, and this was, even in his death, just like in Christ's death, and and it sounds strange to relate Jesse James to Christ, I know, but they were carrying the same message. And if you look at their life, they lived a lot of the same pattern in their life. And and that's a fascinating thing to think about. That's a very interesting piece to keep in mind. Because, again, Bob Ford became uh, Jesse James's Judas, so to say. And when we look at the energy of Bob Ford, uh, Bob Ford's energy was one that was related to, you know, trying to get advancement and success and various things like that. Um, And I'm sorry, I I was re-looking at something there uh, and his energy. But... um, in, in turning him in and the date, can we look at the date that this actually went down, which was April 3rd, 1882, 
and he was taken out in his home in St. Joseph, Missouri, and it's interesting that he would return to that home base in there because as as we look at those aspects, he felt like he might have some ability to, to, to be there, but it also shows the energy of being wrecked by other people's stupidity um, in that aspect. So that, that's kind of an interesting piece in there. And um, and there were other aspects I just had on the tip of my mind. Sorry about that. And there was uh, also an aspect that, again, it brought back to a failure of plans for him that came in um, on that particular date. So still very interesting. And, and I just kind of wanted to bring that in, that Missouri was not the best place for him to go <laughs> in the end. But, you know, it did bring it up. And what was interesting is when we look at the connection between him being assassinated for a bandit, and we look like, we look at Jesse James' energy and the energy of a bandit, it actually drops him right into the coding of being assassinated. It drops him right into sudden advancements, but also threatening to enemies and likelihood of assassination. Now, some of you, if you listened into my show on presidential codings, you're probably finding it very interesting to see what's been happening in the political races. And I talked a lot there about there were several presidential candidates who had this aspect of assassination energy. Well, guess what? They're all starting to fall out of the race, <laughs> just as I said. And that's an interesting show. Go back and catch that in the archives, which you can do from my page of the Main Street Universe tab on my website, jessianicholsgeorge, the number one dot com. And, and it'll talk about that assassination energy. So he was actually, once he got branded as a bandit, a bandit he, was, he was actually then under the coding to be assassinated. So it's no wonder he was shot and killed. Just shooting him would not be enough. They had to make sure he was actually killed for it to come through. But again, then that uh, added to his immortal energy. And so he was a system buffer. He was a truth exposure person. And, um, and, and that's just an interesting piece. Now, when we look at it and we look at this whole lifetime of Jesse James and the train movement, and this will bring us now into the crystals and gemstones, which is what I originally built the show as, <laughs> because I thought, well, why not do the show on, on something that I first picked up, you know, uh, as part of my honoring of my birthday. And, um, and it all ties around because a lot of what the railroad was about was the transportation of gold, um, also silver, and also diamonds and coal. And we know coal was a big transportation aspect back in that time. And, of course, diamonds are one of those things that, you know, kind of developed the diamond in the rough, as they say, right, uh, from there. Also, copper was a big thing. Now, when we look at, uh, I thought it would be fun to look at particularly the, the things that were here in the Midwest uh, and in this region where Jesse James was, and we have uh, things like Galena, Marcosite. Now, Marcosite, of course, is um, it's kind of a sparkly gray stone. We see it on rings a lot of times uh, or jewelry pieces a lot of times that makes it 
sparkles that it kind of blends in with the silver. Um, also in this region, silver calcite is big in this region. Um, celestine is big in this region. Chlorite is, is mined in this region. Um, chalcosite, dolomite, um, pumplite, smithsonian, smithsonite, um, and sphalerite uh, are all stones from the site and witherite. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to take a look at some of these codes. And again, when we look at codes, you can take something that is, say, very, very favorable. Um, it might have a favorable energy in and of itself, or it might be favorable as a singular piece, but not as a plural piece, or it might be favorable as a plural piece for you and not as a singular piece. It can carry those different uh, energies about it. And it really comes down to, you know, how would it work with you personally? Well, that's something that I can help people find when I run their code energy. It's just another one of those pieces uh, that we can look at. And, and oftentimes I find that when people find the stones that code well for them, um, then, then they're actually going to get the benefit of their stones. And we can see not just how the stone functions, but how it interacts particularly with um, different things, or we can start to see more about the energy. Uh, because we've all heard different things, right? Like rose quartz is, is part of the heart chakra, and it's, it's a loving energy, and, and these sorts of things. But interestingly enough, when we actually get down to the codes of rose quartz, what is what is the rose quartz energy? Um, uncertainty, treachery, deception, trials. Matter of fact, this is right in with Jesse James Cody, unreliable friends. So it's going to expose those things. It doesn't just bring in a loving energy. It exposes those things. And it actually, why would it have that energy? Why would it be dangerous? Why would it be an energy of, of uncertainty? Because when love starts to pour outward and, and we start to live in the heart space, we're going to find out which friends really weren't friends. And that's threatening to, again, those people that want to maintain control. Um, they find that very, very threatening. So rose quartz is interesting that way. It, it has actually two components in it. And this is one of those examples that it has the energy of the magi in it. Um, it can bring advancement and honors. And why? Because you're operating from the space of love. And we know when we vibrate at the energy of love that we become a magnet for things. We become a, a magical manifester. Um, and because it comes from the wisdom of the magi and the victory, it has more of a gentle energy about it as opposed to an ego energy about it. Uh, we also know with that quartz energy that um, we have... Uh, the immortal energy, it is connected with the energy of Venus um, and that it is superior to, to trials and difficulties. So when we look at that piece of the coding, it shows us that, you know, that love energy, peace and love, you know, is superior to, to difficulties in life. Uh, but when we bring it together, it's going to upset <laughs> enemies. 
it's going to upset, it's going to bring, um, you know, ruin to plants. So, you know, growth courts for everybody. <laughs> it's going to bring revolution and upheaval. But who, you know, why why would they say it's going to bring revolution of people? Because if you think it brings revolution and upheaval, you're going to say, oh, I don't want to deal with that in my in my life. And there's a piece of that that, you know, maybe it doesn't. And there are some people that they're, they would end up on the short end of the stick. They would be the ones experiencing that revolution. And then there's other people that are maybe favorably coded to that energy and they would be able to deal with it, and they would be the revolutionaries, for example, in things. Uh, so that that's a, an interesting piece, and it's also interesting as we look at diamonds. I mentioned uh, diamonds being another one of the stones that was common in the, the train days and the Jesse James, or as they say, the Wild West days uh, in there. And there's two factors. Diamond as an individual piece. Uh, is all about, it carries the energy of responsibility. It carries the energy of um, speculation and partnerships and learning to uh, realize you've got to function on your own um, without the speculation of, of other people. And it's interesting that we use the diamond as the stone for engagement and marriages and weddings. Uh, because when we have that diamond alone <laughs> on there, um, you know, it's disaster by association. <laughs> and this this is one of those pieces that if when we look when we look at a, a diamond ring and, and here again we have so many variables a diamond ring versus a diamond bracelet versus a diamond necklace. And and it brings in all of these different little subtle pieces in there. And um, so, you know, here again, these are, these are parts of control. This is where we see rings a lot of times coming in to control energy, um, trials uh, coming in to it. But when we combine the diamond and the ring energy, what we find is friendship and being favorable for partnership. <laughs> so we go from, you know, the diamond sitting on its own or even diamonds plural on its own, uh, which is, you know, this this deceptive energy. And, and again, it's about learning to work and function on your own on the hand, um, being independent uh, from from family maybe that's raised you or from other people. But, again, as we combine that diamond ring aspect, we do find that it actually does carry the energy of true partnerships and true love and and things that work through that. And when we look at that energy, if somebody, say, has plural diamonds on, uh, on their wedding band or wedding ring in there, uh, what we also find is uh, it's not necessarily good. <laughs> but that depends on how you're coded to it, too, um, because it can bring unfortunate material uh, challenges or, or earthly challenges, but it also shows that there has to be more going on than just um, than just the material world for that relationship to survive. It would have to have... Um, 
a deeper connection that have to be about something other than uh, material benefit for it. Uh, otherwise, you're going to get into treachery, deception, and affairs on it. Um, now, another big piece that was on the train, uh, as we know, in Jesse James' time, and that was on the cargo, carried a lot, was gold. And this, this was uh, another thing because gold was so valuable. That was a big source of money in that time frame. And when we look at the energy alone, and we also remember that, that Christ was given gold, right, along the way. And again, gold represents being superior to trials and difficulties. So is it any wonder that diamond rings are also made out of gold or wedding bands are oftentimes made out of gold? Um, again, it brings in peace and love and wisdom and um, being superior. It also creates an immortal energy, uh, which means that love extends beyond this physical and human life and existence in there. Um, you know, gold alone, um, you can understand why people place it as the value. That's come back around even in these days and times where they say that gold is the commodity to have. Well, it's not so much gold as a financial uh, aspect that makes it valuable to have, but it is the energy of gold which is peace and love. So if they are trying to clear out gold and they claim that there really isn't the gold there that has been alleged to be there in the, the vaults or the banks or wherever they, they keep them, they say that they have these hidden areas, right, that they keep the gold in. Well, why don't they want us to have gold? Because they don't necessarily want us to have peace and love. If we have peace and love in our lives, we won't listen to them. <laughs> and when I say them, those who are trying to, to maintain control in this world. Um, and, you know, they don't want us to be superior. They don't want us to keep coming back. They, you know, so it's very, very interesting how that peace ties in. And so gold is a much bigger commodity than just material aspects there. And and likely, you know, it's it's very spiritual. And we know that if something spiritual is used for something material, then that that tends to backfire. That tends to, you know, that goes into the greed space and that creates a lot of weight and a lot of heaviness and a lot of um, being weighed down. And that's exactly what happens when people are... Well, a, a wedding band is perfect, right? If they go into it for material purposes and not for spiritual unity with one another, uh, if they go into it for commodities or, or those kind of means, then that backfires and they become very weighted and bogged down uh, with their lives and very disconnected with their lives in there. It gets very interesting. <laughs> it gets very interesting when we, we work at this and or look at this. Uh, and when we look at the energy of coal, by the way, coal again has that mole or double agent energy to it. And so coal becomes a perfect, if you want to say, cover-up for 
what was really going on in those days and times. Uh, it becomes a perfect um, way to cloak what was really, really happening in there. Um, now, a, a common gemstone that a lot of people use when they're doing spiritual work is just the basic quartz crystal. Um, quartz is, is another piece that was fairly affluent uh, in those days and times, in Jesse James' time, in the Midwest region. It's, it's affluent in many areas, actually around. And again, what's very interesting is quartz is about wisdom. And here again, we could take and we could break down different types of quartz. You've got mutilated quartz. You've got phantom quartz. You've got, um, you know, just all kinds of different quartz crystal out there, Um, whether it has veils in it, whether it is museum-quality clarity in it. I have a couple of pieces that were very specifically hand-etched geometric um, facets. And to bring out very specific pieces, but they're all natural quartz, but they're completely clear, almost like glass. Uh, but they do have a couple of little veils in them. So quartz with veils. And so each thing and each character within a gemstone is going to create another layer of depth to it. So if, if we have quartz crystal or we have fluorite or we have diamonds or whatever we're dealing with, that's kind of like the general blanket. That's kind of like saying I live in South Dakota or I live in California or I live in New York or I live in, you know, Florida or wherever it is. It's a general blanket. But then when you bring in the city, which is kind of like bringing in saying, you know, I have a terminated quartz or I have a rutilated quartz it gives it definition. And when you look at a certain city, you then have a more specific energy going on there. Um, so, you know, here again, the quartz is, a, is an energy, and many of us know it's a great stone that can be used for scrying. And scrying, again, is the art of gazing into something, and it's kind of a meditative state that you go into allowing yourself to open up to information. And much of what's come out, especially in the Atlantean cultures uh, or the cultures of Atlantis and and various other starseed cultures, um, is that crystals are information keepers, that they're wisdom keepers, they're the record keepers. And so within that, which is part of why they're powerful to use as tools for scrying, because uh, you know, using using that type of, of tool, um, it's it you know you can gain the information from it. It's specifically coded to that way. Um, you know, it's it's coded to advancement. And one thing that we know about quartz crystal is that it's a magnifier. Um, whatever is in your sphere is going to magnify. And that's, that's a, a great lesson right there because many people jump into working with stones just say, no, here's the energy of the stone. We've been taught this, we've been taught that without necessarily really knowing the deeper layers to it. And 
you know, but but it may or may not work favorably, you know, again, for them in those pieces. So something like quartz that magnifies, for example, if we're coming from a space of greed, it's going to magnify greed in our life. We're not coming from pure intention. When working with these things, we can, you know, we can definitely create some more challenges for ourselves than um, than benefits <laughs> for ourselves. So, for example, when I would use quartz to um, do healing work, it just kept opening portals for me and it kept opening doors and kept providing me with information. Well, of course, it's, it's universal wisdom. That's, that's what it holds. It holds that universal wisdom. And you know, helps to bring bring a victory factor to things, a uh, success factor to things. And yet, when I try to use courts to bring, say, specifically success, um, I was not coming from a clear enough place, and I also watched myself go through challenges along the way. Um, I also watched myself uh, go through periods where I lost money instead of gained it. And you would think, how is that possible, (laughs) you know, along the way? Well, because it was magnifying whatever was happening within me and for me in things. Uh, I also have to look at my particular coding. So even though, and this is a great example, where even though something might have a great code for itself or great energy vibration in and of itself, uh, for me, it turns out that it's not always the most favorable stone to work with. And the reason for that is that um, when when I start to combine those very specific coatings, on one hand, it gives me power, but that power can also get out of control because it drops me into that Jesse James vibration of, danger and unreliable friends and (laughs) uncertainties and, um, you know, getting myself into spaces that maybe aren't very good spaces for me to be in. So uh, I have to be very, very careful. On one hand, they say quartz is a protector of those things. Uh, Well, that, that can be, you know, it can be that, but when it combines with my energy, it actually can trigger some of that grief. It can actually trigger um, some big warnings for me. So it is a stone that I've started to step away from using over time um, along the way. So, uh, you know, that's a big thing. Now, for example, uh, on another hand, I could take a stone, for example, like selenite, which has this very clearing cleansing, doesn't hold negative energy to it. Um, It's not necessarily, it it works with my coating in a way that is not beneficial for me on a material level. I can pretty much use it for spiritual purposes. I can pretty much use it uh, for uh, purposes of clearing and cleansing, but it's not going to, it's not going to open those doors of helping me to produce what I need in this world. So um, I actually have a huge piece of selenite (laughs) that I sleep with that uh, is great 
for me to do that. Now, some people would not be able to handle that energy because it would boost their energy in such a way they wouldn't be able to sleep well. But uh, what it does is it allows my energy field to be cleared while I'm resting and not trying to do worldly things. So, so that's kind of an interesting piece. So moving on, silver was another big piece of things that were transported around. And silver, as we know, is used in a lot of magical circles. It's used in a lot of Celtic traditions, um, you know, uh, other cultures, like some of the Irish cultures actually will not use diamonds in their wedding bands. They'll use strictly silver. They use the, the silver clannon and, and uh, uh, things like that, or they'll maybe have a, a separate stone like I, I used to have one that had malachite in it, and that's what they had for their wedding band. It, it was very simple. And when we look at the energy of silver, the energy of silver is the call to action. It's, it's duty, it's purpose. It, again, it's not about worldly success. Um, it can also bring some hindrances or delays in things, uh, but the delays are only because it demands that the spiritual be developed first. And what's interesting about that is we also know that silver is the feminine energy principle. It is the energy principle of of the moon and the lunar and the goddess energy. And so that is all about spiritual wisdom. That is, uh, of course, what what it's going to crave. It's saying, I I don't care about the rest of it. And in a sense, um, you know, we've got bigger purposes to put into motion here. So, so that's very interesting. And if you look at it, when we look at those two metals, gold and silver, uh, it is it is a balance. You know, it's a balance of energy. And when they come together, it creates the energy of partnership. So actually, to me, if I was going to look at something uh, in that band, and I talk about those in the sense of wedding bands and things like that, because that's where we most commonly see them is, is in those types of things, personal gifts that are relationship-based. When we blend silver and gold together, we now pull together the energy of partnership. So it's, it's interesting that gold became the band, and why would it become the band again? Because it would then put the masculine in control over the feminine. Uh, as in owning a property uh, type of thing, which a lot of religion-based marriages um, kind of have that concept to them in a lot of ways. Now, if we really were going to balance out the energy in evolved ways, our wedding bands would blend the gold and the silver. It would blend the masculine and the feminine, and it would bring in the, the energy of true partnership. To it. Kind of a little interesting tidbit. And this is where, you know, again, it gets interesting. What other stones are, are happening? And, and are they going into a ring? And are they going in, you know, what are they setting? What are they being used for? These will all influence what the stone will do. And for one person, they may be able to work with something beautifully and it brings the best results in the world. And for somebody else, 
they may not be able to work with it at all because it's just chaotic and it just they hit challenge after challenge after challenge working with it. Um, what's, what's interesting, another stone in this area is Galena, uh, G-A-L-E-N-A, and that actually is big in the Illinois region. There's a town called Galena, Illinois, and that's, that's a, a big part of where the mineral comes from. It actually brings in the energy of um, can create that can it has some revolutionary energy to it. Um, got that spiritual material conflict energy that's going on, and I found that really interesting when I when I coded that out because as I started to look at it, I, I thought, well, that's interesting because I've been to Galena, <laughs> Illinois, and it's it's a really interesting kind of spiritually magical kind of vibe there. But it's also a tourist town with pretty high prices overall. <laughs> and so it's got this quaintness, but it caters more to people that have some money to spend. Like you go into a chocolate shop there and you're going to pay like, I don't know, you know, $5 for a little piece of chocolate type of thing. Um, you can definitely see that spiritual material conflict. But at the same time, when you walk down the streets, it's almost got this kind of New Orleans kind of vibe to it. And it's very, it's got this whole other spiritual thing that you would never even place the scene in the U.S., <laughs> especially not the Midwest of the U.S. Uh, it, it's very fascinating. But also when we see gems and minerals, heavy in concentration in a certain area or in a town like that, then we also are going to see that energy interact with the town and and the, the energy of the town. So, you know, when we start to look at that, we bring in whole other pieces and aspects and dimensions of um, Galena, mixing with Galena, Illinois, and we can actually then start to open up uh, doors of creativity and prosperity. And this town sits off way off in the corner someplace, for example, but it does well. Like you go in there and the businesses are always busy. <laughs> it's, it's a very interesting dynamic to see what happens. Um, now, another place that those that have listened before know that I used to live in Arizona for a while, and um, there is a town that is in between Prescott and Sedona, Arizona, and um, it's called Jerome, and Jerome uh, was a big copper mining town for a long time, and so copper was a huge thing. Well, what's interesting, it's kind of an artsy community there, but the coding for example, the copper um, is is actually one that receives strong assistance from others or from higher places. And so the fact that it sits right in the middle of um, Prescott and Sedona, that's where it's getting its help from. It's getting its help from being in the middle of those two places. It's getting its help 
from being in those spaces there. And so that's very interesting. And it, too, Jerome has the energy of that mold, kind of quiet, kind of discreet. Uh, but I'll tell you, it's got one of the best Halloween festivals I've ever seen. <laughs> I went there at Halloween time one time, and they're just kind of a jumping little thing. And the, and the whole thing is like two or three blocks that we up a hillside uh, there. And so so that's kind of, you know, that's kind of a fun little piece that it, that it does and that it has going on there. Um, and and as we look at that, you know, and I'm just kind of taking a look at how the copper energy, for example, melds in uh, specifically with that town. Um, we've got, let's see here. Yeah, we've, we've got that energy that, again, opens up the immortal. So it kind of lives on. And, and what has happened there continues to live on. Well, the interesting piece about that is Jerome is a ghost town as well. And the ghost energy is definitely around there. Its legend of its copper mining days has continued to live on, even though it's a sleepy little town for the most part uh, at this point. So um, very fun. Uh, so, so continuing on, I think we can jump into one more stone here in the midst of things at least. And let's take a look at fluorite. Fluorite is something that is around this area. And fluorite is a really common stone to find. It's easy to find out there. Um, matter of fact, I have a pair of healing tools that definitely is a masculine, feminine. Uh, one is masculine energy, one is feminine energy. So they work in harmony together uh, with fluorite. And fluorite oftentimes has gotten me the energy of being a peace bringer, of being one that um, heals and have has that healing energy, calming, soothing, that sort of thing. But when we look at the code fluorite, uh, what it does is it it promises authority, it promises command and power, it uh, brings the intellect, and we know that most fluorite is green and purple in color, sometimes more green, sometimes more purple, sometimes you get a little blue coloring that runs through it. Um, so it's very interesting that it has that intellectual creative faculties in it. Um, so it's interesting to see how some of these things that they're more well-known for actually do fit in, sometimes with the coding, sometimes not. And it... Um, it brings out the ability, again, to carry out one's plans. It brings fortunate blessings for the future. So when we look at that in healing, it's very good because what the healing is that happens through fluoride, for example, is about reestablishing confidence. It's reestablishing command over oneself. Um, it's, it's bringing in clarity of thinking. And it's tapping into the creative side of our energy, which, as we know, opens up a lot of doors and potential and possibility. And that is really what oftentimes is behind propelling us forward into the world. Um, so it's very interesting that it actually has coded in it the, ener the energy of the projective and the creative intellect. So here again, we see the right and left brain, a harmony factor in order to produce uh, into the world. 
and and that is kind of a flow of what happens naturally when we're in the creation process is that we get uh, a desire or a thought and then we take that thought and we start to put it into action and then from action we can then let go and let the harvest come through. So it actually works with ancient magical energy. It is in alignment naturally with that energy, um, which is fascinating. And and I definitely have used that along the way. And here again, the shapes, whether it's a pyramid, whether it's a spiral, uh, these different shapes will influence uh, what it's able to do. And for me, that energy is magnified. I actually get that particular energy when I use it because the way it connects to my coding. Uh, it's, it's also very good in helping me to get grounded and responsible, I, ironically, at the same time, uh, in the sense of helping me to stand on my own and to heal, particularly partnerships that maybe went wrong for me or that weren't right for me or where I um, am having to deal with repercussions of taking advice from others, for example, that would be a good stone for me personally to work with to overcome any of that situation. So, So really interesting pieces, I think, that we're covering. And it, it sounds like it's so simple. What does a rose quartz do? What does selenite do or kyanite do <laughs> in things? Um, and, and finding those stones in the form that work for us can be really powerful. This is where we can, you know, again, we surround ourselves with these positive energy flows. And we're not looking at just the stone. We're looking at what is the shape of the stone. You know, first you have the stone because that's the primary energy. Then we're looking at is that stone set in anything? Well, if it's set in something, then what is it set in? Is it set in gold or platinum or silver or copper or what's it set in? And we want to find out whether that stone has a favorable or unfavorable connection with that metal, for example, if it's set into something. Then we want to look at what it actually is. Um, is it a ring? Is it a necklace? Is it a bracelet? Uh, what is it? And and look at that piece and the shape. Is it a pyramid? Is it a noble? Is it a rectangle? Is it a circle? What is it? Because all of these different components need to blend together, and then they need to blend with you. <laughs> just when you thought the world was so simple, right? <laughs> so on one hand, it's very simple, but taking these considerations makes the difference of why something works or doesn't work. So for example, I could be coded very well to kyanite, which I am, or fluorite, uh, which serves me well. But I might do well having that in silver and a pendant around my neck, but if I took it and put it in a ring, it may not be very effective to look at that, to see for certain. But that would be an example of where the same stone even could go two different directions for me depending on how it's set and depending on on how that whole thing resonates. 
and again, it, it you know it's it's um, it's whether the stone complements or works with metal that it's in. Because you know, putting it into a setting of sorts, and and if it's in a setting that it works favorable with, or a metal that it works favorably with, then it can enhance into this really incredibly, you know, even more powerful thing for you. Uh, but if it's in something that is unfavorable, for example, with it, then it's like putting two people together in a room who don't get along. And that is going to create a whole set of negative conflicting energy that normally we wouldn't want in our sphere and we wouldn't want to have to deal with in there. So I think these are some fascinating pieces um, when we look at, at these various aspects along the way. And it's definitely something for us to keep in mind because these energies, what is within them is sensitive, just like we're all sensitive, just like we all have things that we get along with that we don't. We we have ways that we feel in the world and we don't, and so do they. And, you know, on top of that, they have all kinds of valuable information, just like each one of us has valuable information or valuable gifts to share and to bring forward in the world. And a big part of our key is to learn how to work with those and not just go for whatever is out there, but which one really is going to be our piece of things. Um, so, for example, you know, even taking tourmaline. You have basic tourmaline, but then you have pink tourmaline, you have green tourmaline, you have watermelon tourmaline, you have um, black tourmaline. And they all are going to carry different energies. And you might be a person who could work with black tourmaline, but you might not be able to work with pink. Or you might not be able to work with pink tourmaline, but you can work with watermelon tourmaline. It's important things to know because when you're dealing with magnifying energy, you want to make sure you're magnifying what's favorable for you. And that's what we work with when we work with codes. So I hope that you have really enjoyed what I've delved into today. I hope that you really have enjoyed learning a little bit about stones and a little bit about me. <laughs> and a little bit about the history of Jesse James, which I know is an unexpected piece to delve into today. And um, I'm so happy to be able to bring this forward. And I think in time we could probably delve much deeper into some of these things um, and different topics. And it's definitely something that I've been asked, you know, can groups be developed? And, and I'm considering that as people work with me for coding and as I develop that up, I can see that that could be something over time that I'll be breaking down into some of these areas and working with people as a group uh, to to learn which stones specifically work for them um, and those types of things. So we, we've got a lot of pieces there um, that can go, and I would expect some more of those things to come out in the upcoming time, and, and I feel very blessed to be on this new year and new journey, and I definitely see I have a lot of purpose, and I definitely see I'm going to be stepping far more into my power this year than I've ever known, 
and the energy is going to be rising and surfacing, and I can tell that I'm in for a lot of amazing things this year. And um, so I hope you'll take that journey with me, and I hope you'll keep listening to the show here and learning with me and learning about these different pieces, and we're going to explore a lot of different topics in the upcoming year. Uh, I've got some very fascinating guests coming on and starting off the year uh, with me, and also some incredible guests still to go. Uh, some of you might remember Sharita Starr. We're actually going to bring her on early. We're going to be bringing her on in a couple of weeks. Um, so we're going to shift and put back the Angel Show uh, probably into December right now uh, for that, and we'll be bringing Sharita on, and she'll be doing a, a forecast for 2016. Uh, but next week, I'm going to have with me Stephanie Banks, and we're going to be looking at her work in Soulful Awakening and discussing um, searching for the answers that lie within us. You can, again, find uh, all the archive shows, things that are happening, monthly video tips, uh, find out more about code interpretation, connect with me, uh, learn more about the services I offer, the events I have going on, all of those things. You can do it through my website, jessianenicholsgeorge1.com. There's a great section on there for all of the Main Street Universe shows. At least all of our primary shows are on there. And you can follow the various hosts and catch their upcoming shows as well as our, our archived shows there. Learn a little bit about the people that are involved in Main Street Universe here. I do want to mention that November's special deal is to receive 50% off of all my books right on the home page. You can check that out. And that includes all of my books except for Embraced by the Divine, which is in the process of coming out. And we're very excited to have that come out. Matter of fact, I'm going to have Michelle Mayer, who coordinated that whole book, coming on in January. And we'll be talking a lot more about that. And it's kind of women's anthologies of getting through the dark night of the soul type of thing and calling on angels and a whole variety of different aspects in there. And, um, and I'm a co-collaborator on that book. So um, I'm very excited to see that coming to fruition after all of this time that it's been underway because it's been almost a two-year process, about a year and a half to two-year process of putting this book together. Um, so, so very excited to see, see it manifesting. I also want to mention we do have several shows here on Main Street Universe throughout the week. Wednesday night, Darren Bouquier is back with us. And if you like readings and you like somebody who's really, really good, and you want to just jump in and see if you can get a free reading, he will do that. He's doing what's called spiritual insights. So he talks about some spiritual topics and spiritual things, and then he also works in a reading or two uh, throughout the show. So that's Monday nights. You can catch him. Tuesdays, we still have Susan Weed with us. She's sharing her work in herbs and natural plants. That's only a 30-minute show, but boy, does she pack the information in, and it's wonderful. She has a huge volume of expertise. I have a huge amount of it for her work. And then, of course, Wednesdays is our flagship show. We're going to be starting more up with that in the very near future. We also have several guests that are going to be coming on doing more a month show type of thing, and you're going to start seeing a lot more shows coming into the network, so pay attention to that as well. Daniel and Janice had up our flagship show, and Janice is working on her own show as well. So we've got lots of things happening here on the network. Kevin Baird's popping in and out with his new companion work, um, doing different things with that. Hey, this is Jesse Ann Nichols-George, and I want to thank you so much for being here today and 
and celebrating my birthday with me <laughs> here on Code Connection. Again, thanks to all of our listeners, not only through Blog Talk Radio, but those streaming live on Penn, known as Parent Counters Network, Streamfinder, and Talk Stream Live, as well as those catching our podcasts at iTunes, TuneIn.com, and those catching the YouTube version of the show, which will take me probably a couple of weeks to get up because I'm a little bit behind on things at the moment and I'm not working today other than doing this show. But I look forward to seeing you back here next week as we delve more into Code Connection. Don't forget, if you've enjoyed the show today, share it with others. It's going to be available at the same link in our archives. And I'm going to leave you with that song, Yearning For, also known as Over and Over by Shumshai. Remember to check out their work as well, www.shumshai.com. That's S-H-I-N-S-H-A-I.com. Thank you so much, and I look forward to seeing you again next week, right here on Code Connection. May you enjoy the rest of your weekend and have a truly amazing week. And if I could see what makes me blind, I would soar to the edge of my mind. And to touch what seems unreal, just to show you the way that I feel. And we are in time with time, one with season of change inside. We are in tune with the tune, caught in a balance of sun and moon. Oh, deep inside, the light within, shining to show you it's here to begin. When all I have is all I need, I will. Soar to the edge of eternity And we see in eye to eye One within love to be for the divine And we're walking hand in hand Caught in the balance of God and